I mean, considering this is two sixty nine, yeah, nooch natch, um, giggity, giggity. Uh, it made sense that we opened with an oral sex act. Yeah. Really. <laughs> I don't know about you. I, I, I think this should be all foreplay. What, what act and on whom will leave to your imaginations? Mm, suffice it to say, there is another person in the room. <laughs> um, yes, another. <laughs> Who am I supposed to have sex with now? You've sent the boy away. The boy I've been grooming from the beyond boy. the grave. There is another. Oh, good. <laughs> that frog over there. Oh, oh. Well, you know, I'm dead now. <laughs> what, is someone going to cancel me on Twitter? I've seen Book of Mormon. <laughs> oh, I remember theatre. Uh, don't I? Well, I've been in. I've been in theaters this weekend. Oh God, you have? Yeah. Right. Oh, by the way, hi everyone. In, Big downcast. Uh, pop culture nerd geek shit. Whatever. I'm. 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 I'm the one called Chris. I'm the one called Matthew. And Matthew's. You've been away. Been away. He went on a. What the what the kids are now calling to mask the pain of of the lack of freedom around the world. Uh, a staycation. It's not a staycation. <laughs> a staycation is when you stay at home. It's not when you stay in your country of origin. So you didn't go glamping then? I didn't go glamping. Went to a very I nice... I hate that word. I went, I went to a nice, very nice B&B about a mile out of Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah, it sounded a bit like that. Did you stay in the B&B? No, we just went there and had a look. Oh, so you didn't staycation in the B&B. <laughs> okay. Well, you slept there. And we had breakfast there. Yeah. And that's all we did. For for a whole five days. Yeah, for a whole five days. We were only there for two nights. But it felt like... We went up to Edinburgh. We saw a couple of shows at the Fringe. We ate in some nice restaurants and we came home. What restaurant did you eat in, he says, offering you a slice Uh, of... Bourneville. We ate a couple of places in the shadow of the castle. That sounds um, like the heaviest metal album never recorded. I appreciate it. We ate a lovely place called The Whiskey Rooms. Oh, which, uh, do it, which uh, when I partook of their lobster mac and cheese. Mm. Um, mm. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Lobster in a rich mac and cheese made from cheddar, Gruyere, and Stilton. See, that would disagree with me. I only eat poor mac and cheese. <laughs> um. Nice. Poverty written mac and cheese. Uh, and then uh, at the Cole Townhouse on uh, the, the night after. We, I partook of many meats. A, uh, <laughs> a Holyrood pizza. What is a Holyrood pizza? And can we talk about it without it's... being removed from striking the terms of service? <laughs> it's a peppercorn sauce base. Fuck off. With your normal cheese. Steak base. Like steak. No, steak no. Steak style no. dressing base. The, 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 instead of tomato sauce, the peppercorn sauce. Oh, with with with, uh, oh, with, okay. with with cheese and haggis. So is there any tomato? No. What the living shit? Mm. Is that a pizza then? Yeah, then again, it, I guess barbecue sauce base has become it, more in common. In Japan, too. they have mayonnaise-based pizzas. Yeah, but in Japan, they do a lot of things. Mm, well, a lot of things which we love, and a lot of things which will break the terms of service. <laughs> the last time y'all went to Edinburgh was was with us, right? 
2016, mm-hmm. just before this fucking barrel started rolling. Yeah. Um, just before. Uh, so what I'm saying is, now you're back. Yeah. Are you going to start a podcast with someone else you went to Edinburgh with? And uh, do I need to prepare myself for a breakup? No. You're all right. You're okay. safe. Okay. I just I'm worried that um, whenever you go to Scotland, you'll always come back with a new with a new uh, well cis, cis white guy to record a podcast with. I have been to Scotland since <gasps> Edinburgh the first time, just not <gasps> to Edinburgh again. I went to Inverness in 2018. Oh, but that's fine. Inverness is fine. You're not going to find anything creative in Inverness. Yeah, it's the smallest city in Britain. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So just statistically, you're not mm. going to find anything creative yeah, yeah. on a scale of other cities to mm, others. No, no. I if anyone listening to this is from Inverness and is like, "Hey, I'm a creative," fuck you, you liar. <laughs> Anyway, um, we've got stuff to talk about this week. We are going to... Have we? Yeah, well... Have we? Do we ever have stuff to talk about? Uh, we've got some pop culture newsy stuff to touch on, but we've mostly got emails to catch up on. We're going to talk in depth um, about What If Episode 1, because obviously we recorded before it came out last week, and it's a little cheeky little week-by-week review sort of thing. Do you think our chat about What If will be longer than the episode itself? Very easily. <laughs> Very easily that's the case. Um, we're also going to talk a little bit about superhero video games and how some of them completely missed the fucking point. Um, so, what? yeah, boy. Algorithm pleasing. Ah. Bet you thought the thumbnail was a mislead. Ah. Nah, it's just non-specific. Because we're recording this on the year of our Lord, Tuesday the 17th, about an hour and a half before the War for Wakanda update is supposed to drop on consoles and Steam for Square Enix's Marvel's live services bottom of the barrels Avengers Um, back to that fucking poison well have you yeah well here's the problem I sort of get paid money to talk about video games now and I, I I kind of have to touch on this well here's the problem this one time I trapped my nuts in the door and I enjoyed it so much that I keep doing it. How did you know exactly what my review for <laughs> Avengers was? I just... Oh, God. Yeah, so Marvel's Avengers came out last year. Live service model with a with a story. Like, with a story mode, a big campaign. Problem was, the campaign devolves into live service missions for the, the second half with the occasional cutscene furthering the story. And then an admittedly pretty cool boss fight at the end. Like yeah, the, I hear it's I hear it's grindtastic. It, it's it's <laughs> so the Kamala stuff's really fun. The opening like fangirl storyline where she's like younger and at this Avengers event and stuff yeah. is really cute. <clears throat> then a uh, five years later, gotta get the band back together. This plot has been done to death by every possible genre happens. And then the final boss fight against spoilers for a video game that's nearly a year old. Uh, uh. Modok and a giant kaiju-sized Kree sentinel, uh, Kree sort of security drone robot yeah, thing, yeah. is um, is pretty great because in that section you switch between all then six members of the team and their all their distinct abilities lend to a really fun six-part final boss fight that lasts about fifty minutes, um, culminating in Ms. Marvel. Growing near kaiju sized and punching the shit out of this Kree sentry. Uh, I love an embiggened Ms. Marvel. <clears throat> it's great. It's like, it's really, really cool. And then you go, great, I can't wait to play the online campaign and, and see this ever evolving 
live service game that's going to take us to new locations and introduce new superheroes. <laughs> they say that they're going to be showing up like once a month. Like every month there'll be a new hero and some of them come with new storylines. They all come with new mission types and this is going to be really cool. Eleven months later. We are now just getting our third new hero. Some of that's got to be due to COVID though. Partially, Got to be. a lot of it is due to the teams behind the game at Square Enix and IDOS. Not IDOS, uh, Crystal Dynamics. IDOS are the good team that work with Square Enix nowadays. No, no, IDOS are not a publisher anymore. No, but develop, they've had developed. No, they're not. IDOS yeah, were they... only ever a publisher. No, 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 IDOS Montreal are a development house, though, because they made Shadow of the Tomb Raider yeah, for Crystal that... Dynamics. Because Sorry, for Square Enix. Oh, okay. Because Crystal were working on uh, Avengers. Oh, okay. Um... So it's it's probably it's probably just another yeah, it's an extension of Crystal with a different department using an old name that we all remember it's still fondly. It's still own, all owned by Square Enix. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah. um it's you know it's it's a it's a it's a, 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 it's a rare rebellion like it's one of these situations where like the studio you love doesn't exist anymore but the name's being used to they help make stuff. Made Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I don't think you can call them that good. Hey, Shadow of the Tomb Raider is a, and maybe I'm in the minority, a vast fucking improvement over Tomb Raider and Rise of the Tomb Raider. I really like Shadow of the Tomb Raider compared to them. Is it because you have a white savior complex? Okay, the storyline's problematic. <laughs> because not only is she a white savior, she's the white fucking destroyer. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then she's a white savior. But it's also weird because it's like, you're the first two games shy away from ever definitively saying mysticism is definitely a thing, maybe. Yeah. And then the third one's something like, no, it's definitely a thing, and Lara's fucking useless. And it's like, oh. I don't know. I think, okay. I think the mysticism towards the end of the first one is pretty fucking... I mean, um, do like, you ever obvious. see, like, a goddess? No, you have storms, and your mate is screaming while there's lightning. Like, it's... it's the middle of the first game has that great supernatural twist where, like, that plane starts to get away and then lightning hits it out of nowhere. And, mm. and it's like, okay, so there is a supernatural element. But those first two kind of... Don't want to commit to... That, that Tomb Raider series is never going to have a skinless doppelganger or a T-Rex or like stuff like that in it. It was never going to have things like that. And then the third one finally leans That's into that more and also is fucking colourful. Like the set pieces in the third one are nice to look at compared to the first two, which are just barren and shitty and muddy and like frostbitten but like with an extra saturation turned down filter over the whole thing the game is colourful but it's politics are very white how do you know what my review for Shadow of the Tomb Raider is <laughs> um, but like so, so anyway so like like <laughs> so so yeah Avengers Avengers is sort oh, of the, the teams have doubled down in trying to fix the bugs because it it's a slog to play it's very and why do you keep doing it well I don't I've gone back to it uh, twice since finishing it. Fool me once, no, no. shame on you. <laughs> Fool me twice, shame you on you too. Don't get fooled again. Yeah. Wait, hang on. <laughs> um, so I completed the game in September, and I played the water table for a couple weeks afterwards, and realised I hate this. I think the only thing I'm enjoying about it is playing as Natasha, because Black Widow's skill set and, and move set is really fun. Like it's just. Heavy gun use, really good hand-to-hand -hand combat, and decent grapple hook traversal made for fun environmental play. But I also realised that it was a game I was playing mindlessly while listening to podcasts. So it was sort of that beautiful marriage of 
I just want to do some melee stuff, but I also want to listen to like the Weekly Planet. So this game sits comfortably in that middle bracket. I can play this while listening to stuff and not giving mm. it my full attention. I return to it. I return to the Mines of Moria in April when I went away to do Cinderella Live again. I took my PS4 with me and I downloaded the update and I played the Kate Bishop mini storyline uh, and Kate Bishop. So Hawkeye yeah. Jr., Hawkeye yeah. 2, um, Too Fast, Too Hawkeye, Too Hawk, Too Eye. Um, <laughs> and then I and then because I downloaded it after the next thing, I played Future Imperfect, the Clint Barton storyline, which was longer. It was like a good sort of three-ish hours of this extra story with time travel and old man Hawkeye and the maestro. So, a new villain, finally. Because all the war mm. tables had done is we had a Thor clone. We had, like, a version of... Do you remember the Hydra version of the Avengers? From the, sort of, the breakout era. And they're, like, they're basically... And there's only a few of them, but there's, like, an Iron Man that was green and a Captain America that's green. And they've got, like, Hydra symbols on their chest instead. Oh. They're, they're only in, like, a few storylines. They pop in, like, a Spidey storyline and an Avengers storyline. Yeah, it was I an interesting idea. It was just Hydra basically, like experimented on some soldiers, giving them some armour. Like, right, you're Thor, you're Captain America, you're... and they had, like, names, but they weren't... They were never played off as, like, you know, we're going to be around for ages. Well, it was... everyone has names, Chris. Everyone's given a name when they're born. No, I mean, code names, you bugger. But they, they were in... And there's, like, a Hawk... I think it was Hawkeye. I think it was four of them. So it was, like, Thor, Hawkeye, yeah. Iron Man, Captain America. And they were in an Avengers storyline, and then they rocked up in a Spidey storyline during the JMS run to, like, sort of wrap up their thing. And then they've probably popped up elsewhere at some point. But, like, there was a version of that in this. It was a super adaptoid that was green, sort of looked a bit like Iron Man, had a shield-like cap, had a, had a Thor-like Mjolnir hammer. Um, a thammer. So that's, that's, you know, so that's... Fucking hell. So that's, <laughs> so that's that thing, right? Yeah. Then Taskmaster clones, so taller Taskmasters with giant health bars. Abomination clones that exude poison while you fight them. Keep in mind... Adaptoids, Taskmaster, and Abomination are all bosses in the main storyline. So, recycled. Uh, mech suits, which were a recycling of the Monica Rappuccini Scientist Supreme boss fight between her and an undercover Natasha in the storyline. Hmm. You get rumbled and Monica shows up in a mech and you have to fight her, which was great because at that point it was the first time you were playing as a not very superpowered character. Yeah. So you had to deal with a mech as Natasha. It was like, this is fun! This is a challenge! I'm enjoying this! Um, and... Uh, a Kree sentry has shown up in the war table at some point as a, as a thing to fight in a boss fight. So that's five things from the main campaign reused and slightly repackaged for the ongoing war table. Uh, MODOK isn't reused because that's a story point. Yeah. Like, but they'd reuse them if they could. And then with, with the Hawkeye DLC, Future Imperfect, we finally got our first new supervillain. The Maestro. We kind of in that different from the Abomination, though. But that's the thing. It's just the Hulk in a different skin. Yeah. And so you're just fighting the Hulk. So it's not a new villain. You're just fighting a fucking character that you can play as. So they've not offered anything new. Now, the reason I'm bringing all of this up in the first place is because this week, I will have played, by the time you're listening to this, War for Wakanda, which is the first actual proper expanded campaign for the game. Free of charge, there was rumours early on that the longer campaign expansions would be like maybe a three ninety nine DLC payment or something. Yeah. But the amount of time they've made people fucking wait, I think they've just gone, we can't do that. We can't charge people. We have to make it free. 
because otherwise they're just going to be even more annoyed at us. Mm. Early reviews for this have been, for the demos that have been played, tech demos, have been positive, not glowing, but have all said, do you know what? Can't wait to get my hands on the full thing because T'Challa plays great. And mm. that's, that's one strength of the games. When you click with a character's playstyle, you click with them. Yeah. Like, they could be really... For me, Black Widow, um, Kamala Khan, and Captain America. Sort of the three that I've managed to like get to grips with and really enjoy. Kate Bishop, too, to an extent. But she and Hawkeye are the same. Kate Bishop's just got slightly more interesting moves. Mm. Um, but, like, I can't play Iron Man for shit. I hate him. Hulk is so underpowered. Even as I upgrade him, he's underpowered. Mm. Thor is janky as balls. It's like if Kratos got absolutely shit-faced and then went, just put me in the game! Put me in the game! I can make it work! It's like, no, you can't. Like, God of I played God of War after I played Marvel's Avengers. And I was like, this is a much better Thor control, control scheme. Well, I mean, God of War is a much better... Game full stop. Most things than <laughs> yeah. most things, you know what I mean? So... And these guys know that because they've pinched the voice of Kratos from 2018. Christopher Judge is uh, T'Challa in this game. We have an actual new supervillain. We have Ulysses Claw. Interesting. Voiced by, I think, Steve Bloom, who's not attempting a South African accent. He's sort of going for a American with sprinkle of European villain, unquote, He's kind of voice. attempting a South African accent. He just embodies it. <laughs> But they've gone for a claw that looks very Andy Serkis-y. And I was like, okay, new villain. Different, there are different opponents. Doesn't appear like... Because I was like, well, if you're going to set in Wakanda, let's have like the Jabari tribe. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Bring in some human opponents. Based on the trailer, there are giant spiders. I was like, oh shit. Based on the new footage, they're giant aim drones that look like spiders. I'm like, so it's more fucking aim drones. Again. So that's annoying. Setting, apparently really nice and pleasant. Like, it's cool to be in Wakanda. There's jungles. There's sort of, uh, uh, like, grassland kind of areas to, to have fights in. I'm like, okay. But then I dip back in the other day, getting ready for it. Like, okay, I'll re-familiarise re myself with it. Play some of the Cosmic Cube storyline, by the way, which is a new storyline. It lasts an hour and a half. And the villain is Monica fucking Rappuccini and clones of herself. So, it's still not new. It's also the most unbalanced boss fight I've ever played in my life. And after 17 attempts, I went, yeah, no, I'm not going to do it. This isn't me being shit. This is the boss fight just not working. And I went online, I was like, am I the only one who's getting stuck? Did a little bit of a Google. Um, all I could find about it is some people doing a how-to guide on how to beat it. Mm -hmm. And nothing else. No one talking about how much they like it. No one talking about how much they hate it. No one talking about how it's broken. No one talking about how they found it easy. No one's talking about it. Hmm. It came out between Easter and now, a separate storyline. They added new content and no one's talking about it. But they're talking about this Except one. Except you. Exactly. At it's, length. It's weird. Well, here's the thing. You, you go on about it. You, <laughs> you go on about it like I'm sort of always talking about this game. Keeks bullies me for it. Whenever I bring it up, she's like, yes. Christopher, the game can't hurt yes. you if you don't play it. Of course she bullies you But for that's it. the thing. This is, this is my third visit into it in a year. Like, the initial playthrough... The Hawkeye DLC, the two Hawkeye DLCs at Easter, and now I put it on the other night to just play around a bit before War for Wakanda, just to re-familiarise myself with how it is, because I've been playing a lot of open-world combat games lately. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going in doing bloody Saints Row or Spider-Man controls. Fair. Um, and I'm just amazed at how fundamentally broken at its core the game is. Uh, 
because the PS to the Wakanda thing. And again, I might play it and enjoy it after this. I'm playing it this evening as of this recording. I might play it and enjoy it. But do you know what the final boss fight is based on the trailers? Is it? Claw merges with the Kree Sentry. Sure. So it's just the Kree Sentry, but it's 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 red and has a purple hand. And you're like, oh, it kind of sure. looks like Claw. <laughs> Kill me. Fucking shoot me in the face. Um... The game is fundamentally broken on a technical level, but also just as an Avengers game. Like, if you want an Avengers game, you kind of want couch co-op or to pick one character and fight alongside your teammates. Mm. You imagine that means fighting swathes of faceless enemies, armies of stuff, sure, but you still want to tackle a big supervillain threat every now and again, like Mm. an actual supervillain threat or a team of supervillains. Fuck, could you imagine if suddenly you were up against like just three supervillains in one fight? That'd be interesting. That'd be something that necessitates six superhero characters. Well, four on screen at any one time in the game. Yeah. You can do um, online co-op, but it's still the same janky-ass boring mission of fight these drones, fight these drones, fight these drones, abomination clones, fight these drones, fight these... Which is the least dope mix track ever. Yeah, that's, um, really, that's, that's, uh, that's taking the, the, the funk out of me right now. But also The Avengers is about coming together for the greater good. And working together to do something that can't be done alone. And yet the game is about Kamala Khan desperately trying to get this bunch of sad sacks to team up again to fight an obvious evil. Come on. And they're all reluctant to do it. We've got to do one last big gig to save the community centre. We don't even the most interesting development for like where they all are now is Thor, and he doesn't even get a storyline. He's in the opening, and then he joins them during a fight on a helicarrier because he saw that there was commotion, so he rocks back up to be like, right, I, you clearly all need my help. And it's like, yay, Thor. It's played as a yay, Thor moment. And it's funny because he arrives in a fucking... Um, in like a in, in a blue sort of like tech team nerd crew kind of t-shirt with a sticker on it saying, hello, my name is Donald. So like... That one visual cue is more interesting than what a lot of them have actually been up to. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. wait, he's been blending. He's been trying to blend in and got like a tech job at a fucking Applebee's he's, or he's, Applebee's. He's an a Apple fucking genius. Apple store or a, or, or a Target or something. Like, that's funny. Are we going to talk about it? No character brings it up. It's like, that's... God damn it. Um, and it got me to thinking, there are many times in superhero games just kind of miss the point mm. like really miss the point mm. for every spider-man uh, insomniac spider-man and um uh x-men legends there's a superman nintendo 64 mm. or uh any arcade game featuring these characters let's be honest yes so what do any aside from square enix's marvels is what the fuck are we doing as Avengers? Aside from that game, what one's come to mind to you I... as being fundamentally tone-deaf or blind to the source material? I think superhero games were basically tone-deaf to the source material until, like, the PS2 era. Because like, if you go back and you look at look at the stuff that was that was coming out, you've got... It's side-scrolling beat-em-up with this character in it. Like, so you look go back... And there's just so many of those, because these... There's the arcade-style ones, like the Punisher game, which also had Nick Fuhrer in it because you needed two two players, and it was an Avengers one of those as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain America and the Avengers. Um, you had the Konami X-Men. You had... Um, 
several Batman ones. Mm. Batman Returns, Batman Forever. Uh, you had like the sort of platformery beat em ups that you got on the consoles, like the Sunsoft Batman games, like the various and sundry Spider Man games that were on uh, Mega Drive and SNES, yeah. Maximum Carnage, things like oh. that. Oh. Um, there was a good Mega CD one, but nobody has a Mega CD. Um, I think it was Spider-Man vs. Kingpin. Um, which yeah, that another some, one that had like eight different versions. It had early open world elements, if I recall correctly. And if you cock um, up, uh, Mary Jane, who for some reason is kidnapped, is dropped into a vat of acid. Sure, why not? Um, and that's the bad ending if you fuck up the last level. And then that's the ending. You can't replay it. Good. Um, <laughs> like, what the fuck? I think one of the most um, infamous and just laughably bad superhero games in terms of something that just misses the point completely is Superman for the N64. Mm. So the plot from what I recall is Lex Luthor seizes control of Metropolis with a bunch of like technology and he forces Superman to be contained in a simulation to basically put him out of action. So you as Superman for the majority of the game are yeah. trying to get out of the simulation of Metropolis by flying through rings. Fly through my maze. Like, you fucking what, mate? Sure. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, can leap tall buildings in a single bound. Mm. Can't wait to play as this guy. What are we going to do? Fly through my maze. Sure, all okay. right. Can I fight any bad guys? Yes, but like only a few times in very, very stagnated boss encounters. Yeah. Okay. I think there is a lot of that. It, it, up until, like I say, the PS2 era. Fly through of... my ring, Superman. Yeah, please. I mean, please that at least would be that, you know, the new context. Mm. Um, uh, the slash. Um, <laughs> so, but I think a lot of it, including that, is kind of up to. A lot of the stuff, a lot of the characters, they didn't really have the technology to let you do what you wanted to do with those characters. It wasn't mm. until you got for, for Batman, for example. It wasn't until you got some. It wasn't until you got Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Really, and there was elements of what they would do in Arkham Asylum in stuff like the Batman Begins licensed game, the uh, prototype for the Dark Knight that that people have have, have, have messed around with. Yeah. Uh, um, d- d- uh, Dark Tomorrow is not a good game, but it was the first one where story-wise they were like, let's lean into the comic book kind of world a bit more and really go for it. And just they're the like, ones that are sort of based on the animated series, isn't it? Uh, no, Dark Dark Tomorrow is the uh, it was its own thing. It's got like a very gothic art style. Oh, okay. Um, the the one based on the animated series is uh, Rise, uh, of Rise of Sinzu and Vengeance. Vengeance, yeah. Well remembered. Yeah. Well bloody remembered. Cause I think like, I had Vengeance briefly. I think I stared at the front cover of Vengeance in Asda at Trafford for months going, yeah. I kind of want that, but I also don't. But it's, it is also <laughs> just sort of like a soft, trashy beat-em-up, essentially. Yeah. Like character brawler. And I've, none of those... I think... The PS1 era's got a couple of... Je- like, Spider-Man and Spider-Man PS1, 2 Spider-Man, Enter Electro. Actually, yeah. They yeah. were sort of one of the first sets of games to actually leverage the idea of what you could do with that character. And that's mostly because it's very very linear set levels yeah. that utilise his unique skill set as a playstyle. So you yeah. have to sneak through the bugle offices by crawling on the ceiling. You you know have to web these bombs up so that they like the explosions contend. It's very much like 
oh, these are things that only Spider-Man yeah. does, so let's you, make Spider-Man do them. You can draw a direct line from that through the Raimi movie games, which mm. build the, fir- on those the first ideas. one especially yeah, is like very yeah. much a spiritual sequel to those yeah. two games, um, and right down I've... to alternate playstyle. Like the, those two had alternate what if campaigns. Yes, yeah. if you yeah. activated the cheat, you finish the game and then activate the cheat, and you could play the what if campaign. And uh, and same with that one. Like you act, you finish it on whatever mode. You activate the cheat, and you play the story again as the Green Goblin. But Harry, yeah, and they re they, the, it's every level's the same, but the dialogue's different, and the voiceovers are all different, and it's him going through the events of what happened to investigate what happened to his dad using the Goblin tech, and you're like, that's clever because then the playstyle's completely different. Mm. The Goblin is a completely different playstyle than Spider Man. It's like that's genius, like, and he's doing things that only the Goblin can do because no, he's not Spider Man and he's not a cop blocker. <laughs> You're um, the daredevil. You're a bunch of cock blockers. Uh, so, <laughs> Pablo Francisco stand up. Go, go but look it up. Thank you. At the time, <laughs> at the same time as they were doing that, we were getting a lot of other games just whiffing it completely. I think we both have a fondness for like X Men: Next Dimension, X Men Academy, Academy Two, but like yeah, but they're not. They're like, beat they're, they're beat, they're, Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're Street Fighter style people. Like they're not. <laughs> and, and by the same token, you get something like Marvel Nemesis Rise of the Imperfects. Fuck yeah, that was just... a beat em up as well. With, with some platforming yeah. like sections. Because I've got the PS2 and PSP versions of that. Yeah. PSP's better. Because as, as a handheld game, it's like, this is impressive for a handheld. Mm. For the PS2, it's just like, the fuck is this? Yeah, it's just what actually is this? Why, is it, why am I playing game? a beat em up? Why are you playing a beat em up? Who are the imperfects? Who are the imperfects? Not no very one interesting. knows or cares. I think, I think they appeared like jokingly in a comic like a year later. Yeah, probably. And it was like, there they are! Ha 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 ha! Remember these fuckers? I think there was a comic, there was like a mini comic included with the game, wasn't there? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course there was. Because, uh, uh, you know. Yeah. But it was, yeah, a lot, of them were be- a lot of them were beat-em-ups. I mean, Marvel Capcom sort of escapes it because that's more of a a licensing beat-em-up game anyway. Yeah. But I think it does, uh, it does kind of count in terms of superhero games that miss the point. Yeah. Because I think Injustice sort of avoids missing the point because it leans so heavily into the narrative. Mm. And and the script for both yeah. the story campaigns are so brilliantly executed. Yeah. Like, they're two of my favourite DC adaptations mm. in the last ten years. Um, DC loved doing an evil Superman story. Yeah, but like I didn't notice how much they were doing that when I was playing Injustice. Oh no, it didn't so really it was, it, To me it was like push, an interesting fresh sort of like this is cool. The push for like evil Superman in other media didn't really happen until after Injustice. Yeah. And that's why I don't hate number two because number two is like not about evil Superman. It's hey, so let's stick in this world and assess what happens yeah. to these people next. Yeah. And, yeah. and like Kara's the main character and, mm. and you know. And based on your ending it either ends with Superman doing something horrible and assuming control of everybody or him being locked away again to think about what he's done. Think um, about what yeah. you've done, Clark. Yeah, bastard. But like, yeah, but again, Injustice is sort of... And also, it, it kind of slips through. It gets a bit more forgiveness because it was road testing the future of Mortal Kombat, essentially. Like, yes. DC Universe yeah. versus Mortal Kombat, which is not great, comes out. And then Injustice happens after that. No, MK9 oh, no, MK9 happens, happens yeah. Then so. Injustice. Then MK10. Sorry, MKX. <laughs> and then Injustice 2. And then MK11. It's like, okay, so what's happening here is 
this series is sort of just the alternate Mortal Kombat. Like, every yeah. other release is a DC release, and then a Mortal Kombat. Sure. Okay, And they're just sort fine. of feeding back into each other. Whereas Marvel vs. Capcom shits the bed with Infinite, the first one that attempts yeah. a proper storyline outside of just caption pictures at the end of the arcade mode. Yeah. And it shits the bed in its execution, its style. Um, its character choice. Character choice. It just Its design. Yeah. Ooh. Fuck no. Yeah, Capcom um, have dropped the ball with their beat-em-ups in the last decade, I think. Really big time. Still not played Street Fighter Five. Street Fighter. Did you know Street Fighter Four was the first game I ever traded in? I can believe that. I played it for a week and I just went. I, I, I'm not connecting with this. I, I enjoyed two and two turbo. I played the shit out of them on the on the snares. Yeah. But I just I can't be doing with this shit. I do so like I the in. look of, of Street Fighter Four. Forty pounds on pocket money. And I traded it in and I got 15 quid. Oh, no. I was fucking fuming. Oh, no. So I spent £25 to not enjoy a game for a week. Oh, no. Bloody hell. Terrible. <laughs> that does suck, actually, yeah. Um, I was trying to think of some of the ones that kind of missed the fucking point. Um, Did you ever play the Fantastic Four on PS2? The tie-in to the Tim no, Story movie? No, I didn't Because there was two. They did a Rise of the Silver Surfer one as well. I didn't play either. Never played that one. I've got the, I've got the first one. I played the first one quite a bit because I wanted more superhero stuff. But it's weirdly dark, like visually. There's just a lot of levels set at night, yeah, which is really odd for the Fantastic Four because you kind of want to see them. Um, but also, the only time I really got much enjoyment out of it was multiplayer, like playing locally with uh, okay. my brother or my friend, like Katie. We'd play multiplayer, and that was great because suddenly it was like, oh shit! And it was one of those where you could play four players uh, in one game, which sort of adds more to the party element of it, which. Even though the adaptation in the game itself wasn't necessarily, you know, straight A's by any stretch of the imagination, it gave you part of the Fantastic Four experience because four of you would team up to mm. tackle these problems. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's that's why I can forgive like the first Marvel Ultimate Alliance, which is a bit janky ultimately. Like it's, it's sort of a not as good version of X Men Legends, the first one. Yeah. Um, and then X Men Legends Two improves the formula, and then Marvel Ultimate Alliance Two is pretty fucking great. But like those games all work better as a two-player co-op, like sat on the couch playing oh, it yeah, together yeah, stuff, no, hands down, yeah. which in itself encapsulates part of the spirit of the the source material mm. about working together. So it's you know, it's like how people are saying, "Oh, I hope the next Spider-Man in this Insomniac series is a co-op with two-player with Miles and Spider-Man." I'm like, I. I don't. It doesn't fit that. I, I love yeah. that they play together, and I love that Miles's control scheme feeds back into Spider-Man Remastered, so that in the next one you could very easily switch between the two for when the story dictates. Yeah, I'd much rather that happen because them teaming up should be special. Yeah. Um, you know, like the fight with Rhino at the start of Miles Morales is really cool because it's like you're playing as rookie Miles while Peter's tackling Rhino and you're having to stop the Raft prisoners and everything. And it's like, and then at one point it's like, you need to take charge. Like, try and wrestle him. Okay! Wrestle. You know, ride, you're rodeo riding the Rhino through a mall. Wrestle the Pe Rhino. While Peter's like saving people from the destruction around you. Yeah. It's like, that works really well. Co-op would be a bit... That is good. Co-op would be a bit fiddly, I think. Um, so yeah, the X-Men sort of have suffered the most. Did you ever play X-Men Destiny? I never did, and that's that's one that like should have worked from what I hear because that's the that's the RPG style one. Yeah, but if what's where you create a mutant after two human, ah, which was notoriously mm. bad, oh. to the point where you can't buy it anymore. Mm. Oh, what digitally or just like they burned every copy? Both as a landfill full of two human and ET. Basically, yeah. 
a landfill, a, a second ET landfill full of the cartridges that people dug up from the first one when they did that big event. Yeah. And went, oh, cool, played it for 10 minutes and went, oh, fuck this, and yeah, threw no, it in a new landfill. No wonder they threw this in the bin, yeah. Um, E.T. Yeah. destroy entire industry. I think basically anything before the Spider-Man games on PS1 are kind of just not able to do mm. the stuff that you want to do in a super in a game about a superhero. But even then, I think... It's 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 about fitting. It's about the right genre for the right character, hmm. and like some Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction, great action, open platformer, world action platformer, open world setting, um, hack and slash, yeah. uh, 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 combat style, yeah, works perfectly. Yeah, uh, I never played the Incredible Hulk from two thousand eight, which apparently just sort of apes that play style. I hear it does, yeah. Um, it's hard to get hold of. I tried a while ago. I was like, I'm going to try, try and those... get hold of Iron Man 2, uh, Captain America, um, Super, Soldier. Super Soldier, and Thor, God of Thunder. Because I've heard they were all... At the time, I remember the reviews just being... Iron Man 2, not so much. I was a Sega one, and it was... I played the PS... No, I played, say, I played the Wii version. Published. Yeah. I played the Wii version. Yeah. And it was just... It was too heavy on flight, and it didn't quite work. Mm. Um, so I was like, I want to pick up the... Thor and Captain America games for PS3 because mm. at the time my my I played some Captain America in the HMV in the Trafford Centre when, when that was a thing and it was big and they had like a big demo you know that little that pillar with like four consoles yeah, around yeah. it I played some Captain America and I was like yeah but the thing that put me off at the time was PlayStation Magazine saying they're both basically just like kind of boring Arkham clones so um, like Arkham Origins then yeah pretty much <laughs> um I'm being harsh on Arkham. No, Arkham, Origi- like, Arkham Origins it's, has it's, some it's great, right. great elements to it, especially the story and the the direction. It's just you can tell it was made by a studio who didn't invent those mechanics and didn't quite understand them. But who then made interesting DLC for Night? Fair. And uh, I am looking forward to Gotham Knights. I do want to give that a try. I prefer Gotham Days. I don't like to walk around in the alleys after dark. I... See, I prefer Gotham. After dark. <laughs> which is like Gotham Knights, but a little saucy. It's in Gotham's red light district. Ah. Um, which is red because of all the blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Man back got hungry again. Um, so, <laughs> have you been watching Harley Quinn at all? No, I have not. At one point, there's a trial, and uh, Man Bat is their um, defence. And he's just in a suit and little glasses. And it's like, uh, uh, Mr. Man Bat, you have the floor. And he sort of goes... <clears throat> <laughs> it's just the funniest fucking thing. Wait, Kirk Langstrom is not a liar. No, but Gotham is New Gotham, and it's under new jurisdiction oh, from right. a cabal of supervillains. Okay, cool. Uh, cool. The ones who survive, anyway. Ha ha! Oh. It's a really good show. And okay, I'm, I can't recommend it enough. Um, but uh, yeah, so what the fuck was I going with that before the thingy? It was something about the games and dreams. Arkham Origins, no, uh, not quite as good a version of its thing. Incredible Hulk, Thor, God of Thunder, Captain America Super Soldier. So I looked them up. eBay, a lot of money. Unless you want a fucking scratched up version of any of them. Oh, fuck eBay, though. Um, bought from stores, like, who were selling online via places like Amazon and whatnot. Charging upwards of, like, 70 quid. Because, of course, they're hard to get hold of. The MCU's become massive since. It's weird, right? Yeah. And, of course, you can't download them. Because they were Activision published. And the license has changed, so yeah. No, I think they're Sega published. 
Super oh, Soldier Sega. Which one's Activision? Oh, it was Ultimate Alliance, wasn't it? Ultimate Alliance yeah. Activision. Yeah. Oh. And Deadpool. Those those MCU <laughs> oh, tie-ins. Oh, God. you got to get a physical copy of Deadpool for PS3 or PS4 I if you want to play it. cannot play Deadpool. Have you tried? Yes. Oh. I got as far as... Because who's the main villain? Mr. Sinister. The humour. I think I got near me... the final boss fight and I just... I, it was more the play style for me eventually put me off. The humour just made me want to punt it out the fucking window. So the thing I was worried about with oh. the Deadpool movie and was pleasantly surprised it didn't. You get the hidden trophy for that though. Oh right, okay. If you punt it out the window, you get fucking get a trophy. Uh, like that's that's why I, that's why, kind of why I don't want to see Free Guy. Oh okay, yeah, I feel like that. The, I, yeah, the hu- the humor I've seen in the trailer just makes me want to throw up in my own mouth. <laughs> um, you know, I've 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 been open to it just because of the reaction. And then I watched a clip that they published the other day on Twitter where Taika Waititi's talking about why he wants to make sequels because he's the game developer to Joe Keery's character. Mm. And it's the first time I've ever watched a clip of Taika Waititi and gone, fucking hell, you're annoying. What are you doing, Taika? And I know the part's meant to be annoying, but I was like, is, is this is this going to be all the scenes with this character? I don't know if I could watch it. That's, that's exactly my reaction to Free Guy, everything I've seen in Free Guy, weird, with, all those char- with all the characters. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. I've also seen no comments saying there's a moment where you can literally see um, during the production where Disney acquired a license. Huh? Because there is a bit where a character wields both a Marvel and a Star Wars-based weapon. Sure. And it's almost like a... Yeah, that, that only happened because during production they got acquired and suddenly they went, can we do this? They've, someone there's gone, can we do this? And Disney gone, yeah, sure, fuck it, why not? And they've gone, thank you! Sure. Um, which is odd. Sure. I mean, if it's a throwaway gag, fine, but yeah. Um, so, in conclusion, Your Honor, War for Wakanda is a thing I'm playing after this recording and I don't know what to say about it. I hope I have... I hope I'm pleasantly surprised. I hope I play it and go... Okay, variety, just level variety alone has refreshed this a bit. T'Challa's got a really fun play style. But the main thing is, regardless of whether or not this is a breath of fresh air for it or more of the same, the only way the game will survive is if they start fucking churning out new heroes, new enemies, ASA fucking P. Because we are, like I said, nearly a year after the game's release. And we are getting our third additional hero who is technically our second additional hero, because Kate and Clint have the same playstyle, just with different moves. We are living in the future, but it feels like the past. Yeah. Speaking of the past, does this segue work? Does this segue work? Does this segue work? Does this segue work? Marvel's What If started last week. Oh my god, it worked! It said in World War II! Hmm. <laughs> no one's ever said World War II with such joy before. Well, they're all technically set in the past. True. Or... The future... No, the past. They're all set in the past. past. Um, Versions thereof. This one was relatively far in the past, though, because it retells mm. the events of... I mean, it's the one we all knew was coming, because it's the one that was most um, heavily publicised. It retells the events of Captain America, the first Avenger, but what if Peggy took the serum instead of Steve? Yeah. So, spoilers ahead, but it's not really that spoilery. So, if you've not seen it mm. and you're worried about, like, the universe shattering, don't, because... And that's something, that we were talking about this before recording, something that I've seen a complaint about for What If So, five people going, yeah, it's stories we've seen, though. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what What that's If what is. What if is. That's... Although this series is teased with its trailers that there is an arc coming up. So they're going to do something a little different. And I'm like, sure, I'm up for that. If you're changing it to a TV at medium, 
a bit of experimentation, fair enough. Yeah. But as far as like our first ever adaptation of What If outside of the comics at a secret hidden mode in the PS1 Spider-Man game, um, I was really pleased. I I like the What If comics. They they do what they say on the tin. It's, here's a thing, but a bit different. Isn't it interesting? That was fun. Anyway, see you next week for another random distraction. Yeah, I didn't love it. I thought it was fine. Um, it's a little. Sh- it felt. It's a little short. It feels a little rushed. And we wondered. Um, we were talking about that when we like. Is it because it is short and rushed and pacey, or is it because we know the story that it's based on? I think it's. And it's weird to see it condensed, personally. like because we know that there's more to this. First Avengers got the quiet moments of you know like the, the meetings and the and the, the war table, the war cabinet rooms, and yeah, all the slow just... build up with Steve pre signing. Because of course the story starts. Having skipped the first like fifty minutes of Captain America: The First yeah, Avenger, it's the same to that point. Yeah, but I, I yeah, I, I, just... I did like the decision. I, I liked the thing that was different, not being obvious. It wasn't just like yeah. Peggy's been enlisted and Steve is also here for some reason. Yeah, it was you know everything is the same. Everything's the, the same, point, but Peggy stays in the room. Peggy stays in the room. <clears throat> spots uh, Richard Armitage's. Um, oh God, it is Richard Armitage, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's not not the voice, but the likeness. It's like, yeah, yeah that's him. Yeah. Spots he and Tommy Lee Jones both returning likeness only, uh, both for about three seconds of screen yeah. time. Um, Richard Armitage's uh, Hydra um, spy uh, plant. Uh, ready, readies the bomb. He readies the bomb, which he does in the film. Yeah. But because Peggy's downstairs and not upstairs in the the, the um, viewing room, because she's like you know sort of on it and a, a badass motherfucker, and then, you know, would be on the lookout for anything suspicious. She spots him, confronts him, and it all goes to shit before Steve's uh, given the super soldier serum. Yeah. Um, sign is killed. Yeah. Uh, we get a couple, couple Stanley Tucci lines in. Um, uh, Tommy Lee Jones's Colonel Tommy Lee Jones is killed. Um, very, and it's interesting because obviously the thing is there are voice actors who replace some of the cast members from the films in this. Yeah, it's really. And it feels... there are definitely voice actors who could replace Tommy Lee Jones. There are people out there who do a yeah. really good Tommy Lee Jones, but I think the decision they made works for this story so it doesn't get too bogged down in authority figures for Peggy you've got to you have to have Bra- uh, Bradley Whitford's character who's like the person above even yeah you know thinking yeah. that you've got to answer to so that makes more sense to me also Tommy Lee Jones's character wouldn't be the one telling her stand down you're not good enough like he absolutely yeah, believed in Peggy yeah. so he just needs to go the first thing he does is he steps in to fight the spy yeah and t- gets a shot off and then gets shot himself. And it's like, there you go. Okay, so like, the character, his exit from the story is completely in character. Yeah. Um, and Steve gets injured because Steve steps out of the thing and tries to, to fight the guy off. Because of course he fucking would. Well, it's, not, it's, it's Steve it's, goddamn Rogers. It's not even so much he steps out of the thing is that they can't carry on with the procedure. Yeah. So he's... he's oh no, but I mean like yeah. he, he goes oh, to, yeah. you know, he's, he's not letting this, he's not just a bystander. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to help. Um, and that's when it's the whole thing of all that year. Like Erksine is dying in Steve's arms, and it like Steve or, or Howard is with Erksine. Yeah. It's like he's dying. This is all gonna go to shit now. Yeah, we've got to do it now. And we, like the timing of the machine, and Peggy's just like takes charge. I'm doing it. I'm going in. Like jacks herself up with whatever pre-injection or whatever, and dives in. Yep. And we have our we have our our deviation in the timeline. Yeah. Um. And there's some really neat action scenes. Mm. It, it, oh, it, yeah. You know, it, it's 
It follows the same place, but this they get the Tesseract before... Um, because Peggy's on it. Before... So, uh, so there's a bit of time bend. There's a little bit of time bend. I think Schmidt still takes it from the monument in the town earlier in the events of the story, but it shows us to remind us. Yeah, but they get Zola. We see... We see a, we, we don't, it's not the voice of, but we see a, a CGI David Bradley for like three seconds. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's David Bradley. Holy uh, shit. Uh, but yeah, they take it, they capture Zola with the Tesseract earlier on. That mm. allows Howard Stark to yeah. build the Hydra Smasher, the Hydra mm. Stomper, sorry, which is a big, like, sort of Iron Monger style. I am, I am a power by the Tesseract. That's a very what if move. Yeah. Like, there is no need for an Iron Man element to be in this story. But what if would do something like that? Was like, oh, well, yeah. Howard Stark's here and he's got hold of this power which. If Tony got hold of this, he yeah. totally would create something with it. So let's give um, it to his dad. And, and I, I don't mind that, because it means that Steve gets to still be a massive hero. And Steve and Peggy have that relationship. But he's he's absolutely yeah. the Dum Dum Dugan to her, like Nick Fury. Yes. Also Dum Dum yeah. Dugan, fuck yes. yes. Um, um, and, but, and, we, and you see that there's the lovely sort of couple scenes between the one, the one slow scene in it, where they're in the, the bar. Yeah. And that reasserts that, oh no, these two have a connection. It has fuck all to do with him becoming Captain America. Yeah. Like, which I think is important for this episode as a reminder. Because, I mean, I think we know the first film pretty much like the back of our hands yeah, at this point, yeah. And they have moments together. There's the bit where, like, he, he gets the flag off the pole yes. and gets the ride back you know riding back with uh, Agent Carter and he's just sat there and yeah. just kind of have this moment of like okay she's and already have, falling for him before he gets buffed yeah they have because the they have the awkward conversation in the taxi yeah. about him talking to girls and everything and so but this kind of reminds you by having the scene with them talking while she is fucking world famous war fighting um, British American superhero henchmama yeah oh good I just <laughs> Don't even get me started. Um, <laughs> remember that bit where she like stomps on the thing in the gym? Mm. Can, can that be my skull? Mm. Um, so, like, they have that quiet moment that re- reaffirms to you, reminds you if you've not watched the film in a while, that, no, like, th- this was already a thing. And even now that she is the super soldier, and he's still, we did little Steve Rogers. As he's called in um, the credits, Skinny, Skinny Steve, Steve Rogers. Rogers. Uh, voiced by Josh Keaton here not voiced Chris brilliantly by Josh yeah, Keaton as well I, I, didn't, I didn't clock it wasn't Chris Evans until I looked it up um, Josh spectacular spectacular Spider-Man Keaton um, he's voiced a fair few Marvel characters at yeah, this point yeah. he's done so well but it's Peter Parker and that show is still one of my favourite takes on the character ever um, I love the fact he's even in the Insomniac game he's Electro um, <laughs> which is nice because he inspired you to have like a Rocky back and forth a rocky joke quote off back and forth during the Vulture Electro boss fight <laughs> um, it's like yay Spider-Man's joking with Spider-Man um, but yes like that's fun uh, uh, let's, let's talk about the stuff that works and let's talk about the stuff that doesn't work because um, I think overall I think I enjoyed it a bit more than you I I, I, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I dug it but I, I, that's probably partially down to me like really loving what if growing up so I'm, I so I'm just like I'm just happy to, I'm just happy just, to see yeah. it and also not... a massive love for that first film and the um, character of, of Peggy in particular. I like that it keeps the sort of what if tradition of like oh yeah things it seems like it might actually be a better outcome but no it all ends in tears yeah. like it always does which I like Like so they get hold of the cosmic cube early yeah. on uh, the tesseract sorry and it's like okay so Red School's foiled 
So we then see Red Skull planning something else. He's yeah. like, fuck you, I'm going for a Hail Mary then. Okay, I'm going to summon an intergalactic beast yeah. from the stars. Get, well, he gets the Tesseract back to do that. Yeah. Uh, th- by, in a twist on the train sequence yeah. that took Bucky's life. This, it's Steve who's lost, but they, he doesn't actually end up being lost for very long. Which at first I was like, um, oh no, it's a cop-out. They should have killed him off. But then later on I realised why they didn't. So they could have the parallel version yes. of the You Owe Me One dance scene yeah. where he's still in the past and Peggy ends up in the in the present. Yes. Um, so I was like, okay, no, I respect that decision. I get it. Plus it was hilarious to see him power up using the base's electricity and the first step just fucking falls Fall, flat on his yeah. face. And he's like, just give me a second here, fellas. <laughs> yeah, it's good. That it's good. Um, um. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, the, that, that was nice that they ret- retained that. That whole, ah, it's a bit different, and everything's coming up roses, and oh no, it's a morality tale, it's a fable. I like that she gets to pick up a sword. (gasps) Just full-on Captain Britain visuals. Yeah. I kind of like the fact that it ends with a fight with a giant fucking tentacle beast from outer space. Yeah. Because... You don't. You would never see that in any draft of Captain America: no. First Avenger. No. So it's a yeah. We're going to take this in a different direction, and and I appreciated that. I was like, that is cool. Plus, a very Cthulhu esque cosmic horror. Might be might be McGrath. Could be. It's got a beak. And yeah, I've got a beak. Well, it's it's a big squid. Squids have beaks. True. Listen, squids. They've got beaks. They got beaks, fam. Um, uh, I really enjoyed the Helen Commandos playing a prominent role in it. Still, that made me happy. Well, no, no. Dum Dum and, and Sebastian and uh, oh yeah, no, in terms, the others in terms don't of, say anything. That's true, but they're there. And yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah I mean, they fair. recreate the visual of him bursting through the door at the breakout in the film. Oh yeah, with them behind him, they recreate that in a different setting. But it's like there they are, and she's at the, she's at the head. I love her costume. I think it's I think it's absolutely fucking right, and I love that she's basically like going to be forced down the same route that Steve was, which is just, this is a joke and an embarrassment and go and sell bonds. Yeah. And Howard Stark's like, yeah, fuck that. I made you an outfit. Um, I've got this vibranium shield I've been working on. I've painted it up for you. Go get the cosmic cube. Because that's the thing, isn't it? They basically yeah. break break rank and they go and steal the Tesseract back. No, they, they get the spring the 107 first. Oh, of course, Like yes. they do it like yeah. in the original. That's the first the first mission is free in the 107. Is it? And, off, and yeah, and then off the back of that. Oh right, yeah, because she because she twats the the truck. Yeah. Over her head, and then, and then has that moment, and then has that moment where she's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> like she suddenly realizes how strong she is, yeah. and has fun with it. And I love that bit with the guys like they send that fragile Fräulein, to, and she just was it twats him in the leg. She breaks his leg. Breaks his leg. He bends over like, ah, and then she just slams him on the head yeah. and into the pavement. And you're like, this is cool. Like, like, yeah, because she is a more effective Captain America than Captain America was at this point. She's better trained before because, she gets the serum. Exactly, yeah. she's got like however many years of pre-training as a as a, a you know a cadet and as a, yeah. as a as an agent and like she's a spy and an army kid and like she's she's done the time. Yeah. So you give that you give the super soldier serum to somebody who's got that already, and it's like fucking brilliant and it kind of proves Erskine as well the idea of what's inside is what kind of drives this version of the serum yeah um, which they they don't go into with the Red Skull but you do get a lovely moment where you see Johann Schmidt several times in the story but they still give him a reveal moment where he peels his face off in yeah. front of someone just so you can have that moment of oh yeah it fucked him up from the inside like yeah. he's, he's completely gone um, the voice cast uh, in terms of like people who absolutely fucking nail it, uh, Hayley Atwell. Obvs. 
just Hayley Atwell. She she can do no wrong yeah. at this point. Please don't turn out to be like a transphobe or something, Hayley Atwell, for the love of God. God damn it. Um, uh, Josh Keaton as Steve Rogers. Yeah. Great job. Bradley, it's Bradley Whitford, isn't it, is the name of the actor? I'm Bradley Whitford, it wrong. Yeah. Bradley Whitford uh, does a great job. Um, Even though that's just great in everything he's in. Neil McDonough? Neil McDonough. As Dum Dum. As Dum Dum, yeah. Full on Dum Dum. Yeah. Like, full on Dum Dum Dugan delivery style. Like, you he. He and his animated moustache are doing all the work and doing it beautifully. Um, uh, Toby Jones has like two lines, <laughs> but it's still nice that they got Toby Jones back. It's like yeah. that's cool. Uh, I think I think the points in terms of best performance in this go to Ross Marquand as as the Red Skull. Yeah, he's doing a very, well, he's basically doing his Infinity War thing again. Well, that's the thing. Very well. He's the Red Skull now more than Hugo Weaving yes. is the Red Skull because he's played him three times. Yeah. <laughs> so he is the Red. He's the Red Skull. Hugo Weaving, oh, he was the first one, but like Ross Marquand's the Red Skull. This he is just why is. you didn't get asked back for Matrix 4, Hugo. <laughs> really? I'm glad he's not in it because he's talked about how he hates blockbusters. That, well, that's, because he's talked about that, that's why he didn't get asked back. Brilliant. I'm guessing now that they would have had a part for him and he's pissed off about the fact that he's not in it. Yeah. Brilliant. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. Uh, You're pissed off at Transformers, Hugo. You should have been more specific. That was an easy paycheck for you as well. I, lo- I love that. So for those who don't know, like Hugo Weaving. It's a, I mean, he's a great actor. He's no, a yeah, really no good doubt. actor. He's so no good. But he, he he was kind of worn down by like the experience of uh, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit filming schedules a bit. Like that, he's not in the Hobbit a lot, but he still was like you know several months work on it. I mean, being in the Hobbit is being in the Hobbit too much. <laughs> oh God! But like, uh, read the book, kids. It's great. But um, all this to an audio book, an unabridged audio book. They're usually really fun. Um, but. Listen to the musical retelling of it by Leonard Nimoy. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> Bilbo, 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 Bilbo Um he <laughs> Go watch the animated version of Lord of the Rings. Don't, because it only adapts like the first book and a half and it's never finished. Well, there's anyway. two. Oh, don't even get me started. Um, and The Hobbit. Oh, fuck. Anyway... Hugo Weaving did Transformers uh, as Megatron, voiced him for like three films and hated it and made a point that he hates it. No, no, I don't. (laughs) Maybe for a future episode. But um, there's a whip, there's a way. Please stop. (laughs) (laughs) That's the most anyone has ever referenced that in a podcast (laughs) in years. Um, uh, Hugo Weaving was like, hey, the the, the Transformers films, I honestly just do it for the money. It's a lot of bullshit. It's bollocks. Have you watched watched them? No, I've not watched them. I think they're a lot of shit. You do it for the money, Hugo. We know you're not doing it because you're big into Megatron. We're not fucking children. We're not stupid. But you don't have to be a dick about it. And then when he was asked about Captain America, would you ever come back? Because he had the... It was one of those contracts where it's like... It, his contract was for Captain America the First Avenger with the option to appear in future films. And Red yeah. Skull is not killed off on screen. He's zapped into space by the Cosmic Cube slash the Tesseract slash the Space Stone. Which we get to pick um, up on later in Infinity War. Yeah, but like... They left it open. That was ne- that was obviously never where they would have put him. They never were going to like be like, and he will be a guardian of a stone in space. Like yeah. they would have done something else with him. But he said he'd never come back to that because he was sick of blockbusters now having to do prosthetics and all this shitty stuff that oh. they they put you through on these movies. Oh, of course you go. So of course, when Ross Marquand takes over the role in Infinity War, yeah, he has to look like Hugo Weaving in prosthetics. So what they use is some minimal prosthesis on his face for the for the shape. Yeah. And then tracking dots for performance capture. Yep. So he's in makeup for like maybe an hour and a half. Yep. <laughs> and he gets to play the Red Skull. Yep. In two movies. And now in animation where he just does it in a voice booth. 
Well done, Hugo. Fucked yourself out of that one, didn't you, Hugo? Oh, my God. Um, uh, best thing about it, aside from tentacle beastie Cthulhu shit from outer space being a proper, like, what is happening? I'm here for this. It's mad. Uh, oh, yeah, we also get Jeremy Renner and Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Very briefly at the In end. In sort of mirror of... Yeah, yeah, Mirror of the Avengers, except Loki doesn't... Yeah, it's not Loki like, coming through the Tesseract. Coming through the Tesseract. It's, it's Captain Carter, which I kind of like. Because it's like, okay, that's... So it's a combination of that scene and the epilogue scene from uh, First Avenger. Mr. Yes. Realising he's in the modern day. I love that scene. I love that scene because you can stop the movie before that scene begins and you've just got a great World War II superhero film. Yeah. And then that scene's the PS, the next film. We're about to do something a bit different, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the best thing in it for me, aside from just like Captain Carter being fucking cool, as a great concept. Yeah. She was introduced in a mobile game a few years ago. Was was the first appearance of the character? It was like Puzzle Quest or something. I don't think it was um, her. It was a version. Well, of, well it, it's, yeah. it's 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 uh, a it, she's Captain America. Peggy Carter, I think the character's called, and it, yeah. it's, it's sort of her. It's pe- it's it's a alternate universe. Like, what if Peggy was? I think was it was also Captain Sharon. Uh, no, it's Peggy in the original. Uh. But there's been a comic one, the comic version of the idea since where it was a Carter. So there's been a couple takes mm. on it. This is the first one where they've gone, and here it is primarily with an actor who you are recognizing the role, and and it's costumes sort of a mix of the two. Yeah. The best thing in this episode was the mixed to the really sort of wacky like wartime good vibes music uh <laughs> montage of her taking down a shitload of hydra bases I mean, and soldiers it's no it's no stats like a mum in the plan but it's pretty fucking close oh, i loved when they they would mix that in mm. and the um and like his main theme dun, yep. dun, 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 all that like that was woven in into the score the score was great as well. Yeah. It was woven into the score, but it wasn't exactly the same. So it was like, oh my God, it's appropriated for Peggy's version of the story. It's like, that is so good. Um, uh, but that montage, especially the bit where she like, <laughs> fucking beats the shit out of the guy on the plane, throws him out, then leaps off of the plane, shield in hand, and like cannonballs just naturally via gravity yeah. into the propeller of the other plane, yeah. <laughs> smashes it to shit. I was like, this set piece... Is incredible. She fucks those planes up. It's like my fa- it's my favorite Marvel action set piece since um, since the opening of Falcon Winter Soldier, the the, the, the Batroc fight at the canyon. That was good. It's like this is, oh my god, aerial stuff in these movies can be phenomenal, and yeah. now in the cartoons they've done it. Yeah. And also the art style. I'm always weird with CGI as a as an animated series thing when it's pretending to not be CGI. But especially for the action set pieces. Yeah, I think the action was really nice and fluid as well. Mm. Uh, but some of the lip sync felt a bit off. Not the lip sync per se, but the lip shapes. Let's get nitpicky. Felt a bit off uh, I me. agree. Uh, um, especially in some of Peggy's close-ups. Yeah. Was odd. When it was when it was doing the close-up dialogue stuff, some of the lip stuff just didn't feel right. Yeah. But for the most part, I thought it was like that was the 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 sort of that was uh, yeah that was the problem mm. with it for me. The only real, the only real problem I had, apart from it being too short, it's the only technical problem really I had. What about the voice performances that don't quite work? Par exemple, Sebastian Stan and Dominic Cooper. Neither of them mm. quite feel comfortable. I appreciate Dominic Cooper's gusto because he love, love his attitude. For it. But I spent it. Go- I spent the entire episode going. I don't remember you acting like this in Captain America yeah. or Agent Carter. At all. Yeah. 
I don't remember this being your performance. Have you gone, well, it's a cartoon. I'm going to make him cartoony. Yeah. It's like, heh. Because th- we've talked about this on the show before. Film actors doing voice roles in animation, especially animated films, can either work really well and be a nice surprise, yeah. or could be really fucking dull. But the thing, the thing to remember is it's not the same skill set. It's not the same so skill it set, doesn't yeah. necessarily transfer. Exactly. Whereas this cartoon's sort of one where I, th- I could make an exception... Yeah. Because it's so closely married to live action visuals you know. Yes. That I think your brain does part of the work. Yes. So if. I mean, we know he can, but like if Samuel L. Jackson couldn't voice act, I don't think it would affect it too badly because you are like, oh no, I'm what. This is live action Nick Fury, I'm just seeing it told in a slightly different visual. It's yeah. not a cartoon, it's more stuff from that live action world. I know it just looks a bit different. Yeah. But. It feels like Dominic Cooper's going, oh, I'm going to do the animated series, Howard Stark. Hey, yeah. you crazy kids. Ah, he's doing, he's like, doing, weird. He's doing, like, <laughs> newsreel uh, narrator. That's what he's doing. Yeah. It's odd. Yeah. It's it's like he went... Oh, the point where I'm not, I wasn't sure it was Dominic Cooper. I've not played this character for a few years. Let me, let me go back and see how I played it. And he went back to watch Agent Carter, but he dozed off, and he woke up during the bits where Ralph Garman's that radio yeah, announcer. Yeah. And he just went, I think that's me. <laughs> Like, let's play it like that. Yeah, hello, he it, welcome he, he to the old timey Howard Stark hour. Well, he accidentally set his, his fancy <laughs> Blu ray player to 1.5 speed. <laughs> there you go. He yeah, just like what, yeah, fast forwarded. Um, um, not terrible, just odd. Yeah, and Sebastian's da- now. It's just a bit flat. Let's give That's him. A, well, I'll give him a chance because we've got more Winter Soldier stuff in future stories. Okay, yeah. The Marvel Zombies trailer, for example, yeah. uh, the trailer footage, the Winter Soldier seems to be a prominent character. Yeah. So, he's not bad. It just feels like it's well out of his comfort zone. Yeah, it just feels a little flat. That's all. It's not. It's not atrocious. Mm, which is only apparent, I think, as as it is, because we spent like six weeks with him a couple months ago, watching him absolutely nail it and play the best he's done in the role. Yeah. So sort of like oh, okay, <laughs> fair enough. I guess this is a thing. Okay. Um. I also hated the closing lines from The Watcher because in the show there is no context for him yet other than at the beginning like I am The Watcher I observe all these reality and a nice little visual where you sort of see like the idea of like stories branching off into different realities and they use the same visual as the sacred timeline from Loki yeah which is like that's a nice touch very well done um, I think that's the kind of thing that might get better though to be fair yeah, be... I mean Jeffrey Wright sounds amazing. Like it's what a Jeffrey great Wright, voice he does. But just fucking awesome. It just felt very. The ending felt very. We have to remind people that there might be a storyline coming up. Uh, in this. Yeah, I get you. I get you. So there might be a there might be a, a season arc coming up in this eventual. And I don't mind the fact that we're not starting with that. I think it's better to do it that way. It didn't bother me because it like is an anthology to... book, so like it should you... be an anthology show. I feel like you have to establish the idea very strongly early on that the Watcher does not interfere. It just sort of felt like he was pulling it out of nowhere. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It, it's... <laughs> yeah. It feels like it feels like Buffy Series 6 starting with like, oh, are you sure we're going to do this, Willow? Yes. It's not like me doing this is going to lead to me being the villain in the last three episodes. 
What, what did you say? Nothing. nothing. Do you know what I mean? Nothing. It's like, it nothing. feels like it should be... Like that, that, I mean, spoilers for a fucking 20-year-old yeah, story arc in a TV series. Uh, but like that sort of slowly rears its head in her questioning the morality of the spell they're doing mm. in, in that first story. And then her going with Amy to like the magic supplier and stuff and getting yeah. high on, 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 on the, the darker magics. No, I think, like I've... they seed it. Whereas this almost felt like Watu grabbed the seed of the plot that's going to come up later and punched it into the flower mm. bed. <laughs> it was like, okay, all right, calm down. We figure that you were gonna. We figure we're gonna see more of you later. Yeah. At the minute, you're just an outline in the clouds. But that, we're again, definitely gonna see more of that you. That might be because we know about Uatu. Maybe that's true. We. This is an interesting one because unlike the previous shows, we've brought more knowledge to this one. Yeah. Everyone who's watching this has because either you're familiar with the concept, or you've watched the fucking movies it's based on. Yeah. So, you know, it's. I'm interested to see where it goes. I think I think anyone who's putting One Division, Loki, Captain America, uh, and the Winter Soldier, Falcon, the Winter Soldier pressure on it needs to ease off slightly. It's not going to be that. It's man. not going to be that. It isn't going to be that. It's 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 a deviation. I think they are sort of very clearly leading to something hmm. in the wider Marvel universe, whereas this just seems like it's its own thing off in the corner. Yeah, which, which, I, which I'm happy with. That's what what if is what if it's always been its own thing off in the corner. I mean, if in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness you want to have a scene where randomly Captain Carter's in it, that'd be fucking phenomenal. I wouldn't hate it. That'd be cool, because you go, oh, this film in its own thing is about multiverses and different timelines and realities, but also, I know that one's a reference to that show I watched. Mm. And it's like, there you go. Boom. Sorted. What do we think about the weird um, MCU TV shows pre- um, one division erasure that seems to be going on on uh, amongst everything because because Marvel Studios Legends put out a Peggy Carter episode ahead of What If, mm-hmm. and it featured no footage from Agent Carter at all, I... prompting people to go, "Hang on, it's on this service. It doesn't contradict any major continuity." Why wouldn't you advertise it to people who maybe haven't checked it out on this service yet? The problem just is just a couple shots from it because they use the thumbnail. They like her in the blue coat, yeah. red hat is used everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. But that's not from any of the films, so like maybe put I... just, just put a couple shots from it. Show her doing missions. The the one shot Agent Carter like put some footage of that in there. The thing the thing is with it. Yeah. Is I don't care. Oh, you bastard. And you know why I don't care? She and Jarvis made those dub smashes for reasons. Do you know why I don't care? Why? Because they don't matter. Hey. For, for exactly the reasons hey. you said. They don't affect or contribute to anything. Hey. So they don't matter. Hey. I like Agent Carter. Hey. But I don't like it. I, I don't. Hey. It, it isn't integral enough to the overall meta plot for I'm, me to give a shit. I'm so about sorry, it. gentle listener. Hey. What? Matt. You're completely valid. That opinion. <laughs> that opinion's completely um, valid, and you're right. I mean, I care more about Agent Carter than I do about Agents of Shield or Inhumans, which can both go die in a fucking fire. But my on my only stipulation, my only stipulation with the whole pre One Division Erasure thing is, if the characters in those respective shows appear again, just bring back the same cast members. Yeah, that'd be nice. Like, if Cloak and Dagger are going to rock up in a thing, let the Cloak and Dagger kids play Cloak and Dagger. 
you know what yeah. I mean? If Daredevil's going to come back, I want to see Charlie Cox. Yeah. I want the scene. I want the scene or whatever to end with him as Matt Murdock going off to meet fucking Foggy Nelson you, for lunch. You want to see Charlie's Cox? Both of them. All of them. <laughs> All the peni. Um, Speaking of penises and dicks. Emails. <laughs> Uh, uh, I've not yeah. read them so I'm not making a judgement on these anybody are, by the way I was just doing my usual segue shtick please don't unsubscribe if anything subscribe again these ones uh... subscribe harder yeah. or go to patreon.com slash bigdamncast to throw some shekels uh, but don't expect anything in return um, <laughs> except so... our undying uh... <laughs> undying bio uh, so <laughs> yeah some of these are a bit old so I apologise that we've not got to them sooner but you know it's been what do you want for free? Yeah, what do you want for free? You know what I mean? You, you want nothing, we're giving you nothing. Sorry, yeah. I just noticed that my pants are fraying at the yeah, crotch. I'm, I'm just slightly just, worried my balls are going to bust out while we record. I just can't you in the eye while you're fiddling with your man, man, man I, just, I don't want, I don't want my, my hydra stompers to just fall out in the middle of this recording. I don't want to stomp on your hydras in the middle of this recording. <laughs> but if you carry on playing your cards right... I bloody well will. Be glad this is an audio and it, medium. And it won't be nice like when uh, when Mummy Peggy does it. <gasps> Mama Peggy. Yeah. No, don't call her Mummy because calling her Mummy is what drove Hayley Atwell off of Twitter. Oh, God. She, she got creeped out by how many... Like, Stan culture was developing. Oh, and yeah. And creeped... Sebastian Stan culture was developing. Seba- it, oh, okay. It just freaked her out a little too much and she went away from social media and then eventually came back to Instagram but now she just sort of puts some cool stuff from filming up every now yeah. and again. And it's like... Fair enough. Like, completely respect that. That's totally fine. Like, here's the thing, guys. It's okay to absolutely fancy the shit out of a celeb or character, but don't tag them in everything. Yeah, they're not going to sleep with you. It's just a um, bit creepy. This one comes in from Sam. Sam, Sam. Sam says... Sam building a dam. Hello, boyos. How'd you find time to write an email while building a dam, Sam? I know, right? Sam... Busy person, Sam. Uh, it was a real pleasure to hear my email read live on your big anniversary episode not long ago, so I've decided to whiz you another email. Oh, I love being whizzed on. Oh, no. That's not what this is. What? Uh, huh? Huh? I've heard Chris mention <laughs> he's a fan of the Tony Goldmark podcast, Escape from Vert Disney. Um, which I'm a huge fan of myself. Uh, Oh, okay, you don't I had now. to self-whiz. Yeah? Mm. Okay, now. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yes. I, the I, professionalism, which you clearly lack, is just absolutely gobsmacking. I just poured water near a microphone. Do you think I have any professional bone in my you body anymore? I ain't a Foley artist. This thing ain't wrapped in plastic. All uh, <laughs> <Or> the microphone. <laughs> oh, only Laura Palmer is wrapped in plastic. Uh, which <laughs> I, Oh, congratulations half of our audience. We know you're scratching your head right um, now. Go discover some cool TV. Yeah, um, Go watch some real fucking cool TV from the past. You, yes. you won't regret it. Uh, is there any other podcasts besides the Big Damn Cast No Plugging Naughty Boys? Alright, so mm. hmm. Which you'd highly recommend. Looking forward to hearing your recommendations and keep being great as ever. Goodbye, my dear Sam. The Dam Builder. I am. Um, <laughs> Uh, Escape from Vault Disney, yeah. Escape from Vault Disney. I rec- recommend that uh, a lot. Because it's just fun. It's, it's, it's a group of people who love the parks, the shows, the films. Aren't, like, blind to 
the shittiness of, of things that the company There is do. some shittiness at Disney. Uh, I mean, Tony Goldmark, like his most viral video that he's made is the, you remember the one with the Florida Disney World put out the advert last year that was like, welcome home, welcome home. Oh, and it's yeah, everybody yeah. waving this. He put out a dub where they're going, stay at home, stay at home. Yeah. And it just went, you know, like... Mer- Merida on the horse, the only one without a mask, going, I'm in danger! Like, so, you know, they're, they're, it's not like they're blind loving this thing, but they're, they're experts at it, massive yeah. fans of everything the stuff's put out on it. They can talk about it. At Infinitum, and Escape from Vault Disney, the premises each week the patrons, like, help a random vote or a randomizer be influenced to pick something, an episode, a documentary, a film, whatever, on Disney+, and he and his guests that week have to watch it and talk about it. And it's just a really fun premise because it was born out of them looking at that initial announcement and going, the fuck is Candleshoe? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Remember all the sky ghosts and all yeah. that weird shit. So it was, uh, it's great because every now and again, you either get the joy of going, oh, it's something I've heard of. I want to hear their opinion. Or the fuck is that? Let's Fuzz- hear them explain it. Fuzzbucket. Um, Smart pals. Smart. <laughs> every, time, every time we do this, I just think of the, the, the Brock Baker Goofy What's His Money sequel. <laughs> Disney Where? wants to buy the sun. No more life. No more Where's life, Damien. my goddamn money, Damien? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to hit you with my strong hand. Um, <laughs> where's my yucking money? God, so good. Um, other podcasts. Big old cases of pod. Stinky cases. Well, this is, this is cheating a bit. Because um, I haven't actually listened to the first new episode. But... Uh, uh, sort of pseudo friends of the show, the review of death reformatted recently. The review of death. Um, uh, Matt and Billy uh, have of of uh, uh, Matthew Toffolo and Billy Garrett John respectively have rebooted the review of death as a partially visual podcast. You can now watch it or listen to it in a studio setting. Specifically, these are the lads who did the Doctor Who on Twitch stuff for the marathon a couple of years ago. You know. Uh, what did they say in that? At Croydon, nineteen seventy-two, <laughs> something like that. And um, uh, they, they are, they're back in that studio space. It doesn't look the same, obviously, but they're back in that studio space. Yes, making the review of death. That's brand new. I've always enjoyed the review of death as it is up to this point, so I'm looking forward to seeing it in the new formats. There's a recommendation for those who don't know. If you're a Doctor Who fan, worth checking out. Um, oh God, what else? I've not been that adventurous with my podcasts lately. Oh no, shit! I tell a lie. The George Lucas podcast. The George Lucas Talk Show. I've finally started watching Go it. On. So the George Lucas Talk Show is hosted by George Lucas. Uh, for those who can't see me in this room, <laughs> I just did a thing with my fingers. Um, uh, and George Lucas uh, has just—he's just released. Although based on who the guest is and what the conversation is, they forget this continuity for whatever reason and just allow the conversation to flow. Yep. He's just released a movie yep. called Star Wars. He's worked very hard on it. And he's just interviewing comedians, filmmakers, um, other podcasters, like just, just getting them on to interview them. And they can ask him questions about it. And it's really fun. And he's joined by his friend Patrick, who sort of mediates, like moderates the podcast. And uh, the sort of the, the sidekick of this talk show. Uh, and, and keep in mind, this is normally done live, but in the last year they've moved it to Zoom broadcast. Of course. Um, the co-host, like the sidekick of the talk show, is Watto. Um, Fucking And it's hell. genuinely Watto, by the way. It's not actor Griffin Newman in a onesie with a trunk on his face doing an accent for two hours. It's Watto. Um, and it's fucking great. <laughs> it's the most bizarre... It's very much a... It either really works because the guest has no fucking clue how to handle it 
and are just being led through this bizarre journey. Mm-hmm. Or it works because the guest tunes the fuck in, knows exactly how to play this, and joins in with the absurdity of it all. And, and then it becomes a, um, you know, just an expert, like, improv exercise between the guests and, and the hosts. Um, the George Lucas talk show. I it, You can watch or listen to it, and I recommend giving that a go. That is so much fun. He's got an idea for a follow-up to Star Wars. Uh, a Star Wars 2. This, 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 he's thinking of calling it The Empire Strikes Again. So he's, he's working on it. But yeah. The George Lucas talk show is my recommendation. What have you got, big boy? With your squirtle no, sorting hat t-shirt? <laughs> no desire to listen to that, ever. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's a shame. Yeah. I, the thought of having Watto as a, as a, as a co-host just fills me with dread. I mean... It's not actually what I know. It's not actually what some actor Griffin. Yeah, but I know someone doing. Yeah, it's quite funny, honestly. I think that just puts me off right away. Give give the Kevin Smith episode a try, because because there's a whole thing on like George Lucas owing him a written letter after Kevin Smith has referenced his film for years, and and it's worth it because Kevin keeps pointing out that the sidekick is basically a child slave labourer. And they play into it. It's fun to watch. Honestly, give it a try. It's, it's anyway, now I've recommended a thing that Matt's definitely never going to check I'll out. Take your word for it. What are you recommending, son? Uh, Tell I... me. Things I listen to on the regs. Quite different from the kind of stuff we do here. Mm. Um, there are uh, a couple of shows I want to talk about. Firstly, a great. Sh- they're huge shows, so it's not like I'm giving anyone a single. But big show. Yeah, they're huge. They're, really they're big show. Very popular shows. The Ed Sullivan um, Really Big Show Yeah, category. The, the Ed O'Sullivan Really Big Show. Um, <laughs> sure. Okay. Sure. Why not? Fine. Um, <laughs> first one is a great podcast called... Great podcast. We apologise, everyone. There was just a glitch in the Matrix. Yeah. There's a glitch in my matrix, if you know what I mean. I don't. Um, well, I'll I'll tell you. Uh, it's a podcast called You're Wrong About, in which two journalists dissect fairly recent like events in history, um, things like public health scandals, um, uh, panic, like moral panics, um, trials, crime cases. <laughs> Um, and just tell you that you you were wrong about that. That's, <laughs> this isn't actually the way it happened. What actually happened was this. And it's, you know, topics like the satanic panic. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a, an ongoing sub-series about the O.J. Simpson trial. Uh, Princess Diana. Uh, the life of Princess Diana over three parts. Um, and just like, you know, two... Sorry. Two journalists I'm not laughing at like the life and death of Princess Diana. It's I'm laughing because I've just remembered another podcast that is a, apparently about that, but it isn't. And I'll recommend oh, it afterwards. Oh, okay. Sorry, go on. That's that's worrying. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, two very fun idiosyncratic hosts who have a lot of interesting stuff to say and do their research, and just give you a fun time. Spinning off that, one of the hosts of that um, also hosts a podcast called Maintenance Phase, which debunks myths around. Um, dieting, uh, nutrition, weight, all that kind of stuff, uh, which is very fascinating. And lastly, if you like your podcast's narrative... 
Oh. If you like a bit of fiction, there is a fantastic anthology horror podcast called Old Gods of Appalachia, which is all about what it says on the tin, the, the dark and unknowable things that dwell under the mountains of Appalachia and that decide to uh, start to exert their influence in the early 1900s, the sort of first half of the 20th century. Um, and that weaves in like folklore, magic, Lovecraftian cosmic horror, a little bit of like early early 20th century like frontier railroad sort of drama and an incredibly charismatic um, narrator who who just has a great voice. Old Gods of Appalachia. Old Gods of Appalachia. So search Old Gods of, and I'm sure the autofill will do the rest for you on that search. But yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a good call. Those are my, that's my, that's three of, that's three of the best. From, from my, from my mouth Ears. to your, also whatever mouth. orifice you used to hear. Oh. I don't know, you could be some sort of bat, you know, bats have ears. Uh, you'd be some sort of snake. And you might snakes have ears. Yeah, but they they lick the air, don't they? Not to listen. Shut up. Um, <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. If you want another podcast about the death of Diana, um, listen to Oh Hello the podcast, um, starring Nick Kroll and John Mulaney as oh. uh, as uh, Gil Faison and George Saint Gieglin, respectively. It's very short. You could listen to the whole thing in like an hour and ten minutes. It's like seven episodes. It's fucking great. It's bizarre. Because, of course, it's two out-of-work Broadway actors in the early lockdown looking for something to do and publish it, trying to publish a podcast through, like, a podcast network. And their angle is, well, no one's done a podcast about the death of Diana. It's like, well, no, plenty of people have done podcasts about the death of Diana. And it doesn't really go into it at all. Um, Give it a listen. Guests include Pete Davidson and Lin-Manuel Miranda and John Oliver. So it's... It's fun. Two out of three. Ain't bad what any of them have to do um, about Diana is like nothing, except one of them has a surprising kind of connection to her that actually ends up being quite interesting. Oh, hello, the podcast. Um, I'm going to pick up with the rest of James's email from last week. We talked about the Suicide Squad part last week, but we're going to pick up on the other part of it this week. Uh, James, before we part call two. it a day. James, James, part two. Um, James, part two. James, James, part two. And James says, James, "I know part two. James, James, part two. All right, Matthew McConaughey. Part two. All right, all right. (laughs) All right. Uh, I know I'm late to it, but I'm going to say what I likey about Loki. He didn't say likey about Loki. Oh, James, Um, you failed. (laughs) You failed the test, James. uh, Episode one, a really great reintroduction to Loki and looking to the world of TVA. Ep two, the design work on this show is gorgeous. Yeah. Love the whole apocalypse thing. Uh, at three, love that they spent the whole episode allowing the two variants to get to know one another. Yes, that was good. And singing on a train. Yes. Which became like a number one track on Spotify for a couple of days. Everything becomes a number one track on Spotify if it's in a TV show. Like, that's weird, just how, that's how media works now. It's weird, fam. That's how media works. It's weird, bruh. It's, it's... Can we be number one on Spotify? I'm almost. Wrong probably. question. When will we be number one on Spotify? Almost probably never. Have we worn number one on Spotify? <laughs> Oh, the um, Friendship Onion! Friendship That's the podcast. The Friendship Onion. Friendship Onion. Give that a listen. Billy Boyd and Dominic Monaghan. 
being mates. Yeah, just being adorable. Yeah. Watch it rather than listen to it if you can, yeah. so you can skip the ads. It's a bit like this show, but good. Uh, <laughs> Ep4, it would be... And they have more money than... Yeah, and they're famous. Um, <laughs> and talented. Uh, it'll be interesting rewatching the final scene, uh, knowing that Jonathan Majors voiced the fake timekeepers. The ending made me feel pain. This was immediately undercut in the post-credits. That's episode four. So we all know what happens at the end of episode four, don't we? Yeah. Uh, episode five. It's a weird world of references. Richard E. Grant and an alligator steal the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe classic Loki's pain. Grant is truly one of our most underrated actors, or at least not in the conversation as much as he should be. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, ep six. He laughed. He cheered. He punched the air. He punched the air. <laughs> Sylvie, Sylvie's broken mind and Loki's heart. Will he ever be able to trust again? Will this damage his character growth? Will he lash out? Cannot wait to see where Jonathan Majors takes these variants. He was so much fun. Can't wait to see him being deliciously evil. Bring on season two. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a nice, concise... I mean, we've uh, covered Loki in depth and detail. Never heard of Um, it. What are you talking about? No. What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm just keeping it low-key, that's why. Uh, I have recently caught up on the latter half of season four and the start of season five of Rick. I thought you were going to say um, season four and season five of Loki. I was like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah, time travel. Uh, it is fun and strange and all it should be, they turned into turkeys. They did turn into turkeys. Mm-hmm. He turned that man into a snake. <laughs> turned that goddamn man into a snake. I've been playing Saints Row 4 and Keith David playing Keith David is something I never want to stop, so... More Keith David as the president in Rick and Morty, please. I'll, I'll be very happy with that forever. What do you think you're doing bringing an armed sperm in here? You're crazy? Um... <laughs> he got like two episodes this season. Yeah, just to say the weirdest <sighs> shit. And also, can we just appreciate that they doubled down on... So they, they made a big thing of saying, oh yeah, we regret, we regret that, that sperm episode. We thought, yeah, we thought we crossed the line there and yeah. And then immediately, they said that knowing that they were going to bring back one of the playable elements from that a couple of episodes later yeah. in just the weirdest <laughs> fucking way. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. They, they postured. I love it. They postured. They fake apologised because they knew we were all going to be super annoyed about I, it. And I, and I love that, the, especially after they spent <laughs> most of that, most of the last few episodes just giving the finger to continuity. Yeah. And I also... And then, and then we suddenly spend an entire episode yeah. actually picking up something from a couple yes. seasons ago. And in, a, in an episode that wasn't that funny, but was very good, I thought. Oh, it was meta as fuck. Yeah. It was funny. Yeah. Which is... Good Which they do sometimes. Like yeah, it's good like, for a the, show the, to do the, that now. The, and the again. one from season three, the 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 Rick Lantis or whatever it was, the the one that Rick and Morty are in like for two minutes, and yes. the rest of it is spent on the Citadel of Ricks during the election. Yes, like that one is not funny, but it's really good. Oh, I think Simple Ricks is pretty funny though. But anyway, um, <laughs> that's dark though. Simple Ricks. Fuck, that's really dark. I love uh, the fact that the one in charge of the factory just looks like Willy Wonka, and they don't really reference it. It's no, just it's, there he is. He's Willy Wonka. Of course Ricky, he is. Ricky. Ronka? Um, <laughs> that Doctor Who Comic Con stuff was interesting. Really looking forward to seeing what John Bishop does. Well, he, he, he just does John Bishop, doesn't he? Uh, Did you but, see the cast photo that the BBC officially put yeah, out this week? Nice. It's, I like the vibrant colour scheme. I love that Yaz looks how I feel about it, which ah! is, good God, why can't it just be me and her for a series? Yeah. <laughs> Again, no it? shade to John Bishop. I'm sure he's going to blow me away and I'm going to love him. But, like, I just. The end of last series, I was like. Oh my god, this is going to be interesting. A whole series where it's just two female leads for the first time in the show's history. This just... is going to be so cool. What's this teaser playing after the after the episode yeah. ends? Wait, what? Oh. Oh, yeah, I mean, 
Good for John Bishop, I guess. Yeah, but, right. uh, so Yaz yeah. in this promo picture is like, she just looks annoying. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> such a cock blocker, John Bishop. You, you, <laughs> you and Quatermass are a bunch of cock blockers. <laughs> um, <laughs> but only days later, I'm really disappointed that Jody and Chibnall are leaving. The sixth year doesn't need to be a multi-doctor story, but it could have been a fun regeneration story. I mean, we still don't know what we're going to get. Uh, strange to think by the end she'll be the third or fourth longest serving Doctor despite having fewer stories than we're used to yep she, she will be oh we talked about this didn't we on a previous episode she will be if you count the beginning and the end of a tenure not with giant gaps like so you can't count Sylvester and, and McGann yeah. um, Jodie will be the second longest serving actor in the role and I, I honestly which is worst, mad the worst thing about this sort of period of Doctor Who has just been the fact that they have not been able to get their shit together production wise hmm for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and obviously some of that stuff's out of their control. Like, what are you going to do about the pandemic? Fucking, it, it is what Well, it is. yeah, they, they adapted, but they well, also then, like, went back on it. Because yeah. we were told it'd be a reduced series of eight episodes. And, and then the six. Comic-Con announcement is a series of six interconnected yeah. episodes. But then, and the, but even before that, like, it was taking so long to turn around the, the shows. I mean, it started and, in Moffat's era, didn't it? Yeah. it's Yeah, it started. Season breaks, which kind of worked it for, like, series six was broken in half, but both halves went out in 2011. And then Series 7, half of it went out late 2012, but then the rest went out in 2013 with also two specials, the 50th anniversary stuff. So it was like, we kind of gave it leeway. We were like, fair enough, you're building up to a big year. They did also kind of feel like two separate mini-seasons. Yeah, there was a a thematic kind of divide. So that worked quite well. Plus the Snowmen was like a pretty fun Christmas special as well. I really like the Snowmen. Yes. Um... But yes. but then since it's been like series eight one year series nine later the year after that yeah it's like then the time fuck of all year. for yeah. two years except a Christmas special two Christmas yeah. specials and then series ten and then we sort of get back to one a year but not really and it's yeah, yeah. the time of year it's been on has been all over the place the air the, the time slot's been all over the place the days yeah. change like it's just been a fucking mess yeah um, so even though I think the writing has gotten a lot better and I really like the stories I love the, I love the guest writers I think the yeah. guest writers have given some really interesting scripts this past couple of years I just, it's just the production has hampered it so much um, well the next Doctor better be female or I'm fucking kicking off because I do not want Jodie to be the girl doctor yeah like you just... have to establish that no it is now open season, but to establish that, yeah. we're going to make sure it's this one ver- one type going forward. Yeah. And then after that, you open the playing field to every possible comer. Oh. Spelt C-O-M-E-R. Pronounced jizz. Jodie Comer. What? Um... I did not just say her name is Jodie Jizz. <laughs> but now that I've said that, what a great band name. <laughs> Jodie Jizz and the Cumrags. Can that uh... be our band? Jody Jizz and the Cumrags. You're right. We can't put that on t-shirts. Jody Jizz and the Ski Blankets. Jody Jizz and the Krusty Socks. Bye. What? <laughs>